This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It's Monday. Did you have a great weekend? Did you have a good day at church yesterday? I hope you did. Um, We had a good day at church. Um, After church, we uh, went to uh, help a friend unload a bookcase from his car. And uh, then we did a little shopping, went to lunch, came home, and watched both of the teams that I had expressed my support for lose in the yeah, respective AFC and NFC championships. I, I really wanted a, 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 a Ravens, uh, a, a, a Ravens Lions Super Bowl with the Lions winning it all. And, uh, there for a while, it looked like I was going to get my, my wish, but, uh, both of those teams seem to have forgotten how to play in the second half. Um, the the Ravens lost the Ravens the Ravens lost that game. Kansas City didn't win it. The Ravens lost it just with with uh, turnovers and and stupid stupid penalties, taunting, a, a, a blatant roughing the passer. Now you can you can say that there should have been some pass interference called against the Chiefs, and I would I would agree with you, but. That was not the total sum and total of it. It was the the stupid things that the that the Ravens did, and then the Lions totally dominated the first half and just played a forgot how to play the game in the second half, and and some stupid coaching decisions going forward on fourth down a couple of times when they should have kicked field goals. Those six points would have been uh, very helpful. Um, just it, it was just a, a weird, weird game. Um, <clears throat> I have a friend who is uh, absolutely convinced that the Chiefs' win was rigged because the NFL wants Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl because the viewership of Chiefs games is way up because of the Swifties. That may be true. I, uh, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, since the NFL got involved with gambling, I had noticed a, an increase in late game, um, late game outcome affecting strange penalties. Didn't see any of those yesterday. They weren't needed because <laughs> the teams that lost, lost. Um, I really don't know how the Lions lost that game. They were up 17 points at halftime. They had just totally dominated the first half. And then it was like a completely different team on the, on the field the second half. And, and stupid coaching, stupid coaching decisions. But, uh. I hope you had a good day yesterday. Um, a friend of mine's daughter got baptized at Grace Community Church last night. Um, I, I did not. 
I did not hear about it until later, and I was I was not watching the live stream last night. So I will have to go back and, and pull up the video of last night's service so I can see her get um, get baptized. She is uh, uh, she 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 could not say squirrel when we met. So to her, I am Mr. Mouse. <laughs> and uh, not, I mean that was a long time ago. She's in her teens now, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I will have to go back and, and find the, the video from last night's, uh, Grace Church is pretty good about posting that stuff, so I'll find it and, uh, go back and find her baptism. Um, I would love to hear her read her testimony and, uh, see her get baptized. And I'm sorry I wasn't watching live. I saw her mom did a Facebook post and it was... I didn't see it. She did it before the service, but I didn't see it until afterwards because I just don't spend much time on Facebook these days. I get on a little bit in the morning, and I'm I'm actually trying to to cut back a lot of my social media time. Um, it's such a time waster, and it can be so frustrating as as you see things that are going on. Now it's it's informative. It's helpful. It has, it has its uses, don't get me wrong. And I, I greatly appreciate staying in touch with old friends. Um, speaking of which, we just had a, a friend from college die. Um, we weren't in college together, but he was a friend during that time. Um, he was uh, part of our uh, Dungeons & Dragons group. We, our Dungeons & Dragons group has now lost four people. The, the, the group that I gamed with in college has now lost four people. Um, the couple that hosted our games have both passed away. And uh, we had uh, another pass away recently. And, and now, now we've lost Ben. So, you know, four of our group have, are, are gone now. Um, and we spent <laughs> a lot of Saturday nights together, uh, rolling dice. And, and, uh, cause that was, you know, gosh, 30 years ago, we're talking the, we're talking the, the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm at that age where, you know, if I look at the obituaries, um, which I don't look at very much cause I don't have the paper. Um, that was, that was always, I, I'm, I'm of that generation that I used to start the day reading the paper. Um, I remember being in, in high school and in college of going into the library and say, so remember when the, the paper was on that long wand they would they would have the paper and they would feed it onto this long wand, each section and 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 it would be hanging on a rack, and I I have sat in many libraries reading the paper in the morning. Even when I worked at the the mill in Bonner, that was I would sit down in the morning and read the paper. Now I have. 
news websites I check every morning. I was on them this morning, um, looking at current events and whatever. Um, I have those things that I check, but it's, it's, they don't have local obituaries, local news. I mean, I do, I do have some local, uh, radio stations and, and TV stations that I do catch local news on, but I don't, they're, they're not, a, they're not a regular thing. Um, I check them when I hear about something and want to look something up. I don't really, you know, visit those sites every morning. Um, I listen to a couple of national news podcasts, which keep me up on the, 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 uh, the headlines of what's going on. And I listen to a couple of in-depth news podcasts. Um, but I don't sit and read the newspaper anymore. Newspapers are dying. I mean, look at all this recent layoffs among the newspapers. Um, there's the LA times that, that laid off a huge section of their newsroom. I guess Sports Illustrated's gone out of business. Not that that's a bad thing. Um, it, it's just, it's an interesting, uh, um, interesting dynamics that are going on that we don't have, we don't have a uh, um, print media anymore. And I'm not sure that it can all be laid on the internet. Um I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just became propagandizers. The, the print media was no longer exhibiting any kind of, uh, journalistic integrity. They are completely out of the closet now as, as leftist propagandists and, I think it's it's clear you you can't pick up a New York Times or a, a Washington Post. I mean, the Washington Post was bad forty years ago. New York Times was a little bit more mainstream, um, but now you can't pick up a a newspaper. And part of that's the fact that they're, you know, all of the newspapers in the United States are owned by like five people. These huge news conglomerates that bought up all of these newspapers. And, and so that they became this monolithic, you know, you don't get a diversity of opinion. You don't get, you know, it was the, the editor, the, the editor of the editorial page of the New York times got ousted by his own newsroom who were upset that he had allowed Republican Senator Tim Scott to write a op-ed piece. I don't even remember what the subject was, but boy, it just, it blew the, the, they were like, you can't, we can't have diverse opinions in our newspaper. And they got rid of the editor. Just amazing. Amazing. All right. I think it's Monday, January 29th. I think I already said that. Uh, it's Monday, January 29th. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that you got that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. 
All right, what do we got coming up today? We have scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And we started it early, but we got Monday meanderings. So we will continue that in a moment. Hmm. Monday morning coffee. There's a magic to it. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Excuse me. Oh, let's try this again. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is going to be Genesis 34 and Psalm 34. Genesis 34. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Then Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her and took her and lay with her and violated her. And he was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke to the heart of the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor and said, Get me this girl as a wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled, his do defiled Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob kept silent until they came in. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife, and intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourselves. Thus you shall live with us, and the land shall be open before you. Live and trade in it, and take possession of property in it. And Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, If I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you say to me. Ask me even, even so much bridal... Excuse me. Ask me ever so much bridal price, bridal payment and gift, and I will give according as you say to me. 
but give me the girl as a wife. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit, and thus they spoke, because he had defiled Dinah their, Dinah their sister. And they said to him, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you. If you will become like us, in that every male among you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves. But we will live with you and become, and we will live with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now their words seemed good in the sight of Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So the young man did not delay to do the things because he, he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was more honored than all the household of his father. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are peaceful with us. Therefore let them live in the land and trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters for us as wives and give our daughters to them. Only on this condition will the men consent to, to us to live with us, to become one people, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock and what they acquire and all their cattle be ours? Let only us consent to them, and they will live with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and to his son Shechem. And every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now it happened on the third day, when they were in pain, that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the unsuspecting city and killed every male. And they killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went away. Jacob's sons came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. And they captured and plundered all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives, even all that was in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And my men being few in number, they will gather together against me and strike me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister as a harlot? And now Psalm 34. Of David, when he feigned madness before Abimelech, so that he drove him away, and he departed. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O magnify Yahweh with me, and let us exalt his name together. I inquired of Yahweh, and he answered me and delivered me from all that I dread. They looked to me, they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be humiliated. This poor man called out, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. O oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear Yahweh, you his saints, for there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who inquire of Yahweh will not be in want of any good thing.
Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of Yahweh. Who is the man who delights in life and loves many days that he may see good? Guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of Yahweh is against evildoers, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and Yahweh hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the evils against the righteous, but Yahweh delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, none of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Yahweh redeems the soul of his slaves, and all those who take refuge in him will not be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Our reading in John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, um, today's devotional is God's Love Illustrated. What man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a snake, uh, give him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Dr. MacArthur writes, if we claim to be God's children, we should be reflecting God's character in our lives. Jesus here shows us something of what our Heavenly Father's love is like. Jesus asked two rhetorical questions. The first asked what a loving father would ever give his son. Would a loving father ever give his son a stone if he asked for a piece of bread? Leading up to the second example, Jesus gives us an example of the father of the son asking his father for a fish. The father wouldn't give his son a snake, would he? The obvious answer to both is that no father would do that because it isn't natural to ignore the physical or spiritual needs of his son. In contrast to sinful human fathers, our divine, loving, merciful, gracious father has no limit on his treasure and no bounds to his goodness. Yet even the greatest human parental love cannot compare with God's. The truth Jesus proclaims here is that if imperfect and sinful human fathers so willingly and freely give their children the basics of life, God will infinitely outdo them in measure and benefit. If we want God to treat us with loving generosity as his children, we should so treat others, because we are those who bear his likeness. Ask yourself, as always, our dealings with God are based on relationship, a relationship he has graciously established and continues to maintain. What threatens your own ability to view him in this light, rather than primarily relating to him only in religious terms, distant and detached? All right. Monday meanderings. Well, we've already talked about some of the things, so I can scratch the uh, my Super Bowl uh, um, Super Bowl stuff off the list. It still leaves a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, one thing I am working on: um, uh, a, a local pastor 
alerted me, well, alerted all of his Facebook followers last week about um, a heretical message preached by the lead pastor of a uh, large local Big Eva me megachurch. And uh, I have downloaded that video um, and I intend to watch it and do a sermon review. Um, I'm not Chris Rosebro, <laughs> uh, so maybe I should send it to him <laughs> and let him do a sermon review, but, uh, cause that's, that's his forte, but no, I, uh, I, I just want to go through and catalog the heretical teachings that are coming out of this local mega church. Um, as I have acquaintances that go there. Um, it's the big popular church in Missoula right now, or at least it was. Um, I think they, they, I think they, they have lost people since they brought this new guy in, but it's still, but it's, it's the local weekly religious themed rock concert church. Um, and I would, I would, I'm very interested in, in cataloging the errors. Um, it's, it's, like I said, I've downloaded, it's a series that apparently is, is lambasting the Protestant Reformation. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to listen to it, <laughs> even just to see what he's going to. So I've listened to, it was the second in this series that apparently uh, set my friend off. Um, and so I, I'm going to, uh, listen to the whole series painfully. I'm sure I'm used to it. I listened to hours of Arian Canner at one point. Um, I can endure painful sermons. Um, but I want to, I want to just catalog the heretical teaching. So look for that sooner rather than later, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Now I've got, um, I, and I, I want to point out now there will be no scroll chatter on Friday. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is the, excuse me, middle school and high school, um, middle school and high school, um, winter retreat at Camp Utmost. And I will be up at camp. <laughs> That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, um, and it's, it's funny, we, we actually um, uh, found out yesterday that our pastor has decided to postpone our communion Sunday, which is normally the first Sunday of the month, until the second Sunday of the month, <laughs> because myself and one of my fellow elders are going to be gone up at camp. So he, we're going to wait a week <laughs> for our, our monthly communion, um, which is fun. <laughs> but because I'm going to be gone this weekend, there's not going to be a squirrel chatter on Friday. Now I'm not going up there until Friday afternoon, but I want to sleep in Friday morning <laughs> because I'm going to spend the next three days, the three days following with junior high and high school kids and sleep is going to be in short supply. Um, it's, it's a good time. It's only 
you know, three days, but uh, I, I won't uh, I won't get a lot of rest on those three days. I will come home Sunday afternoon and I will uh, inhabit my recliner and uh, meditate on the events of the winter retreat with my eyes closed for a few hours until bedtime. <laughs> Um, it's, it's one of those things you come home from camp, whether it's a, a week or a weekend, you come home from camp with a, a, uh, well, a friend of mine calls it gospel tired. The, 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 the satisfactory exhaustion that comes from the work of the ministry. And I love young people and I'm looking forward to the winter retreat. I'm looking forward to the time with the young people. And, and that will just be a good time. So that's what's coming up this week. So we're only going to have four days of squirrel chatter this week, and then I will be off on Friday. Um, but I wanted to give you a heads up on that. Um, one of the things that I have gotten a lot of emails about is what do you think about Alistair Begg's comments? And what should be done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Alistair Begg has long been one of my absolute favorite preachers. And he is biblically solid in his teaching. Um, now, I disagree with him on some points of doctrine. I believe he is, I believe he's all millennial. Um it's been a while. I used to be a, a very regular listener to Alistair Begg's radio program and and his sermons. Um, kind of got away from that because I've been, you know, you only got so many hours in a day. Um, and I've been occupied with other things and listening to other teachers. Um, but there was a while when Alistair Begg was a daily um listening to his radio station, his radio program was a daily endeavor. When I first started preaching, the examples of expository preaching that I used to pattern myself on were John MacArthur and Alistair Begg. And so I would listen to a lot of, of Alistair Begg. And, and for a long time, before I could afford commentaries... <laughs> Um, to the extent that I have now, um, I would take what little funding I had and I would buy like a DVD set or a CD set, audio CD set of messages from Grace to You, from John MacArthur and from Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. And I would listen to their teaching through a book of the Bible that I was teaching through. And, and and learned from them, um, not to plagiarize or copy their messages, but to, you know, just like you know, the, the, the audio commentaries audio, to, to help me study the book for myself. Um, and so Alistair Begg has been formative in my appreciation for the memory, for the ministry. I've got his book on being a pastor. I didn't grab it off the shelf. That was one of the first pastoral, uh, he and Derek Prime wrote, wrote a book on being a pastor. And 
it was a, a great book for learning how to minister. Um, great things about, you know, praying for the flock and, 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 you know, organizing your time and how to visit with the grieving. And, you know, even, you know, it was, it's just a great, great book. Um, and that was, that was formative in my, in my, uh, early ministry. So I have a great appreciation for Alistair Begg. Now, if you are unfamiliar with what recently transpired, and I guess it was back in September that this actually occurred, he was being interviewed and the question came up about should Christians or can Christians attend homosexual or transgender weddings? And his, I'm not going to play his comments there. You know, you can Google it. Um, and, and, and let me, let me do point you to Justin Peters video, which I came out, came out Friday or Saturday where he discusses this issue. And I'm in full agreement with Justin on this. Um, Alistair Begg is, is an important and influential Bible teacher. And he, he, in the interview, he talked about how, you know, he gets this question a lot. What do we do? You know, my, my son came out as gay and he's marrying another man. My daughter has decided she's a man and she's marrying a girl. Or my daughter is, you know, my, my son is marrying a woman who says she's a man. I mean, you know, whatever the, the case may be. And he says, what, what should we, you know, should we go to the weddings, etc.? And his advice was, and, and just let me just bullet point it. He said, make sure they know that because of your faith and belief in the Bible, you believe such a union is sinful. Having made that known, go to the wedding and take them a present. And his reasoning, you know, I understand why he said what he said. Okay, let me, let me, his reasoning was, if your, I think in this case it was a grandmother was asking about a grandson's wedding to a transgender person. Now, what a transgender person in this context means, I don't know. I mean, was this a woman who said she was a man or was it a man who said he was a woman? Uh, you know, we, 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 the specifics aren't there, but it was a, her grandson was marrying a transgender person. Um, and he said, you know, here was his, his argumentation. He said, if they know you don't approve because of your belief in, in the Bible and you don't go, you are simply going to confirm their prejudices of Christians. But if you having made your opposition to the union known, attend the, wording, attend the wedding, bring a gift, show your love for them, you know, because you love them even though you disapprove, 
um, then that will surprise them and perhaps give you an opportunity or a better opportunity or a better hearing to share the gospel with them. Many, many, many people, myself included, think this was really, really poor advice. The reason, the reasoning being this. Attending a wedding is tacit approval. You can say one thing and do another. And if your actions don't match your words, your actions speak louder than your words. And many people, you know, not just the couple, but others in attendance, because, you know, as Justin said in his video this weekend, who goes to weddings? Family and friends. So if your position as a Christian is well-known among your family and friends, and you attend an unbiblical, sinful ceremony like this, that is going to have a negative impact on your witness. Much better to say, I cannot attend, I cannot support this, and leave it at that. Attending and taking a gift is, is going to be a hindrance. Now, when he says, you know, are you going to get a better hearing with the gospel? No, you're not. You know, trust in God's providence to arrange circumstances so that you can share the gospel. Um, you know, get on your knees and pray for the couple that God would open their eyes and God would put God, bold and godly people in their paths to share the gospel with them. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Attending a sinful union, the ceremony, the transgender wedding ceremony, whatever it is, is not the way to uh, advance your case for the gospel. I have... Um, I went to college in Missoula. <laughs> I went to the University of Montana. Now, 40 years ago, it was not as liberal as it is today, but neither was Berkeley. And the University of Montana has long been known as a very liberal school. Because of this, <laughs> I have friends and acquaintances who are gay and lesbian. Back then, transgender wasn't a thing. I don't know of anybody that, any of them that have decided to become transgender. Um, I do know some younger people that have decided to become transgender. Um, I don't know any boys pretending to be girls, but I know several girls pretending to be boys. Um, and that's just from the last 12, 15 years working in high schools product of the sinful culture that we live in. Yeah. I know of gay and lesbian couples that have gotten married under the Obergefell decision and the, the uh, degradation of marriage in our culture. I didn't attend. <laughs> um, only ever been invited to one. 
and I had to decline and I told them why and 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 just you know flat up this is the way it is I was not cruel I was not insulting um we're still friends <laughs> um but they know where I stand and they know I wouldn't compromise on that um so you just you just you know the way to share the gospel is to share the gospel. Um, there's no special approach to share the gospel with, you know, a gay person versus a straight person. You share the gospel. Now, are there apologetic issues that may have to be dealt with in sharing the gospel? Yes, but the gospel message is the same. You're a sinner. You are condemned before a thrice holy God. You're already condemned because you have sinned against God. You are guilty. You have no excuse. But God sent his son to live the perfect life you can't live and then die on the cross to pay a penalty you can't pay so that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you could be forgiven of your sins, receive his perfect righteousness, and live with God forever in eternity. That's the gospel message. And that's the gospel message whether you are gay, straight, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, you know, whether you're a physician or a plumber you know that's the the gospel message and so that's the message that needs to be communicated but you don't communicate that message by participating and and yes sitting in the audience observing a wedding witnessing the vows is participating in a wedding you don't share the gospel by participating in a sinful union. And so Alistair Begg is flat out wrong. Apparently he is not walking this back at all. Um, uh, American Family Radio has canceled his broadcast. I think he, he just lost 1,800 stations um, because, because of his stance on this. Um, that's pretty big, you know, so it's, it's interesting to, to, uh, to, to watch this. Um, I'm hoping somebody gets through to him. Um, he is scheduled to speak at Shepherd's Conference in March as, as one of the speakers. Um, I've always enjoyed listening to him speak. It was at a Shepherd's Conference that I first met him. It was not the first time I saw him speak in person, but it was the first time I met him was at a shepherd's conference. Um, very, very personable and pleasant guy. A um, couple of years ago, um, my pastor went to an Alistair Begg, the basics conference. And that has long been on my wish list to, to get back to Ohio to go to a basics conference. Um, but so... You know, this is the this is the world we live in, and I think he's absolutely wrong. Now, am I going to cancel 
Alistair Begg because of this? No. Am I going to recommend his uh, ministry to anybody? Probably not very strongly. <laughs> if somebody asked me about, should I listen to Alistair Begg? At this point, I would say you have to listen to Alistair Begg, but cautiously. Um, because he has demonstrated some aberrant practices in, in this, this is bad advice for him to be giving. Um, but at the same time, you know, you go listen to him exegete first Timothy three and he's going to be straight up solid. Now he has absolutely been firm in his stance that homosexuality is sinful. He is not denying the sinfulness of the LGBTQ plus movement. He has been rock solid on that. This is just bad advice in how to coexist with them. Um, this goes beyond as far as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. Um, this, this is moving into actively participating in their sin. And that is bad advice. I understand his motives. I, I having listened to what he said about how, you know, if, if you, if you don't go, you're just going to confirm what they think about Christians anyway. But if you go, you know, I mean, he has a, he has a soft heart for these people in that he wants them to hear the gospel. He wants them to, to repent of their sin and be converted. I just think he's, his advice is going about it the wrong way. Um, I don't think Alistair Begg is a heretic. <laughs> he's certainly not pro-LGBTQ. Um, but he's now been moved from the wholeheartedly recommend into the recommend with reservations column in my book. Um He's, he's doubtless being confronted um, by many people <laughs> behind the scenes and publicly. Um, and, and it looks like he's going to stand firm on his position, which brings me great, great sadness. Um, I will be interested to see if he actually does speak at Shepherd's Conference in March. Um, I have not contacted any of my people at Grace Church to say, hey, what's going on behind the scenes? They don't need me jiggling their elbow. I'm sure he's being talked to. Um, I'm sure there's been conversations between, you know, MacArthur and Begg over this. Um, you know, it's Begg has been teaching in their doctrinal ministry program at Master Seminary um, in their preaching, you know, stuff. So is that going to be, you know, what's going to happen there? So it's something to watch, but very much I have, I have put Alistair in the, you know, recommend with reservations. You know, there's a caution warning now over Alistair Begg in, in my list of preachers that I would recommend. Um, and, and so 
that's that's where I stand on the issue. So to those of you who have reached out to me about where I stand, that's it and that's why. And I would encourage you to, to look up Justin Peters' uh, video from the weekend. Um, and he said pretty much the same thing. So, so you know. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's with great sadness that I say that and, and not a little bit of broken hardness broken heartedness um, because I, I have loved and benefited from Alistair Begg for many years um, and uh, so I just there now you know <laughs> um, what else we got going on let's let's end on an up note <laughs> are we on the brink of World War three I am looking at, at the you know we had Three American service people were just killed in in uh, in Jordan over the weekend by Iranian-backed militants, um, and and the troops that are in Jordan are a a relic or a remnant of the last twenty-five years war on terror that uh, took place in the uh, wake of nine eleven. But let's look at the world situation. You have the Middle East. The Middle East is getting is, is more unstable than it has been, at least in a couple of decades. Um, and you, you've got bad actors. You've always had bad actors over there, but they're getting more and more bold. Um, and there are now being direct attacks on... American forces in the region. And those attacks have been going on for really since October 7th. Um, but this is the first time we've had loss of American life. Um, and it's everything from, you know, the Hamas conflict with Israel after the October 7th attacks to the Houthi rebels attacking shipping in the Red Sea um, Iranian back. All of these are Iranian backed. So it, it's, it, uh, all, all, all the, if we had one of those, you know, yarn maps, <laughs> all of the yarn goes to Tehran. <laughs> um, so all of these events can get traced back to Iran and, you know, what, what do we do? You know, they've attacked American troops. Do we bomb Tehran? What, what is going to be the American response? Um, we've, there are, and there are people in our government who are calling for, you know, massive attacks on Iran. Uh, that should be bringing us, uh, you know, some trepidation. Are we on the brink of war now? I'm, I'm, there is a time to fight. I'm not saying there's not, I, and I haven't, I, I don't know, you know, my, my first response when I heard about this was, yeah, level the presidential palace in, in Tehran, you know, send a couple of B2s over with some really big bunker buster bombs and just level the building, you know, I, I remember when we bombed Gaddafi's.
uh, house. And uh, we would have gotten him too, but for some reason he was staying in a tent in the backyard. Uh, it was a strange thing. Um, that was under Reagan. And and that was under Reagan, wasn't it? Yeah, the F-111 strikes, they flew out of England. They couldn't cross Spain because the Spanish wouldn't give them overflight rights. They had to fly around around the coast and through the Straits of Gibraltar refueling twice before they they uh did the the strikes in in uh, Libya and and so you know we've we've done this before and it's i i you know that was my first initial reaction was just let's go after them um but at the same time I'm looking at the rest of the world we've got the war in Ukraine that we have been supplying the Ukrainians with weapons to the point where we have depleted our own ability to fight a war. Um, this is just something that the Biden administration has done. They did it with the, uh, with the strategic oil reserves before the midterm elections to drive down the price of oil and help the Democrat party in the midterm election. The Biden regime virtually emptied our strategic petroleum reserves. The strategic petroleum reserves are there so that we will have fuel for our military in case of war. They're not there to strategically release to public consumption in an effort to control oil prices. Yet that's how they were used. And that was to control oil prices for the purpose of influencing an election. So we have depleted our strategic oil reserves. We have depleted our stockpile of munitions, artillery shells, and um, anti-aircraft missiles by sending them to Ukraine. So and and to the point where we don't have enough for ourselves, because we're sending our 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 military stockpiles to Ukraine, and we're not replacing them here at home <laughs> because that would cost money. Um, so America's warfighting ability has been strategically depleted. We're also looking at the fact that I believe in 2023 we were some 35,000 short in our recruiting goals for the military. So we have a, a massively shrinking military. And, and the reason for that is the DEI stuff. You know, when you start having, you know, soldiers in dresses and and all of all of that's going on in the military, you got people that don't want to go. And 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 I have I have heard from more than one uh family that has a long tradition of military service. I've heard from more than one of them say, yeah, we, we're telling our kids not to join. Think about that. It's, you know, 30, 35,000 short last year. Um, I just heard that last week or so, very recently, the United States Navy has, reject, has, has uh, removed 
the requirement for a high school diploma or GED to join the Navy. So as of right now, it is my understanding that you do not have to be a high school graduate to join the Navy. Whereas that was one of those requirements that was very much in place for a long time. Um, you at least had to have a, a high school diploma or equivalent, you know, GED. Um, and so that's, that's gone now. So our, our war fighting ability is in dire straits at the same time that we see the world heating up. So we have war in Eastern Europe. We have war in the Middle East. We have North Korea um, causing trouble. Um, they have violated multiple United Nations resolutions against this or that um, because the United Nations is a toothless tiger. Um, the United Nations has no power to enforce anything and, and indeed is, you know, for the most part, an illegitimate organization anyway. Um, it's run by the very people it's, you know, purported to restrain. Um, and so you've got, you know, the, a, a toothless United Nations. Um, you've got a belligerent North Korea. China is becoming more and more belligerent over Taiwan. Um, I think that's, you know, there is a desire to reunify China under communist rule before the Chinese population and economy collapses. Um, you know, China, China is not going to be this world dominating power, um, in a, in just a few years because their population is about to drop off precipitously. Their economy is already starting to tank. Um, their, their power is waning. And so I'm, I'm seeing desperate moves to hold on to power that, you know, because they will not be when their population tanks, when this generation, you know, is too old and decrepit to continue to uh, run things. The, the younger generation is insufficient to keep things going, insufficient in number. So China's about to tank. Um, they won't have the personnel for a large military. They won't have the personnel to, for a large economy. They're about to be in a bad situation. But before that happens, they're going to flail around and cause trouble. So we have the Middle East, the Far East, Europe, um, and, and now looking at what's going on here in the United States, you have, you know, a state defying the federal government, I believe rightly so, because you have a federal government that's being uh, derelict in its duty to protect the borders. And a border state is defying that. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting back and, and applauding Texas. Well, 25 other states have voiced support 
for Texas. Um, some states have even sent aid to Texas to help control the border. Um, as I heard in one of my podcasts this morning, it says there, there's, you know, 10,000 people a day crossing the border illegally, and it only took 19 individuals to cause 9-11. How many, how many terrorists have we let in? And, and there's been recent reports that facial recognition software has identified Middle Eastern terrorists crossing the United States, crossing into the United States from Mexico across the southern border. How many of them and why are they here? And if that doesn't, you know, cause you some trepidation, you're not paying attention to what's going on. So right now we have 26 states, <laughs> you know, one state defying the federal government and 25 more states saying, yeah, we're with them. So, you know, where does this put America? Are we on the brink of a civil war or at the very least a governmental collapse? We're certainly in the midst of a constitutional crisis right now, ongoing. <laughs> it's not like there's, this is going to cause one. We're in one. So are we on the brink of World War II or World War III? As a historian, quite honestly, this reminds me of the 19th century. The late 19th century that led right up to World War I in the early 20th century. This is, this is it, it's a different global situation than the beginning of World War II. This is reminiscent of the decade or so before World War I. And so, you know, it's going to be an interesting and I'm not saying the political and military alliances are the same, which, but the, the, the global unrest is the same. And the global unrest is at a time when weapons technology is much further advanced than World War I. Remember, World War I was fought in a lot of ways with, you know, at least at the beginning with, you know, horse cavalry. Um, you had, uh, you know, I mean, most most people's homes were lit with oil lamps when World War One took place. Very few people had electricity. Um, it was the beginning of the modern world, but it wasn't the modern world yet. Um, now, World War Two, you're dealing with the modern world, but World War One, you were still dealing with this 19th century agrarian culture so you know but the, the the weapons technology is much much more robust now um, much more destructive much more um, it's just it's just a different time and if 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 we have a large-scale military conflict at home or abroad the United States is not prepared to deal with it. We're not. So, you know, we're not, not prepared politically and we're not prepared um, materially. And I don't believe we're prepared mentally. 
So I, I see bad times ahead. And I'm just saying that as a historian looking back and learning from history and then looking at our current events, I'm seeing bad times ahead. Now, having said that, God is sovereign. And anything that happens is going to be in accordance with his divine uh, decrees. And it will be for our good and his glory. Um, not, you know, kingdoms don't last forever. Only one's going to last forever. And, uh, but, you know, right now, you know, the Roman Empire failed. The British Empire failed. And the American Empire is failing. Um, and, and we are not going to be, you know, I was talking about China not being a dominant world power for much longer. I don't think the United States is going to be a dominant world power for much longer, uh, until and unless something happens. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. So are we on the brink of World War III? Keep your powder dry, folks. Keep your powder dry. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Um, you know, if you... If you picked up a couple of cases of ammunition for your favorite weapon and stored in a closet somewhere, might not be a bad idea. I'll just leave that there. Also, remember the first rule of zombie apocalypse? An axe never runs out of ammunition. All right. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The colic for the fourth Sunday of Epiphany, which was yesterday. O God, you know that we are set in the midst of many grave dangers, and because of the frailty of our nature, we cannot always stand upright. Grant that your strength and protection may support us in all dangers and carry us through every temptation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, Forever and ever. Amen. And the colic for the renewal of life. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Monday. I hope you have the best of days. Remember, as you go through the day and as you begin your week, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.